Y'all find uh, Jude and find, go to Revelation, come back one book to the left. And we're going to look at verse 1 and 2, maybe 3 when we get there. We, I did a challenge for you last week. And uh, you may say, Brother Jerry, what do we need a challenge for? Well, I think that's what the book of Jude is all about. Jude brings a challenge. We'll deal with that a little bit more. But I gave you some examples last week. And I asked some of you, I was a little bit afraid, some of the things that I did and said last week. It may have just been a little bit of a shock to you. But you know what? The things that are going on in our world are shocking. And I, I'm not sure that sometimes you know that those things are happening. But it is my job and others' jobs. Many people send me things, and I read them. And I'm just, I tell you, as much as I've seen in, the, in this vile, wicked world, I'm still amazed at the things that happen in our world today. The wickedness is out there. And this, the, the fiber, the very fiber, the fabric of who we are as, as human beings, not even as Christians, but as human beings, is being eroded daily. And if you haven't noticed the agenda of the wicked, then you, you should be paying attention to what's going on. Some of the things that have happened this week, I've tried to just bring some of the headlines to you uh, just to, to remind you of some of the things that actually have happened. Uh, what the, because Jude is about apostates. So we're going to look specifically today at literally at the what Jude says, contend for the faith because the apostates are out there. And in verse number 3, he says, you know, listen, call them out. Name them, say who they are, and talk about their unbeliefs. And so one of the people that we followed for, for years and years and years, just a few headlines for this week. Uh, Beth Moore says, let me, let me tell you how this works. All of you, all you have to do is to, to thwart change in the conservative Christian ranks is to frame it as prog a progressive takeover. The liberals are coming. The liberals are coming. Woke alert. Woke alert. When one fears liberal, liberalism exceeds our fear of the Lord, our God is power. C can I say to you, when I tell you this morning about the things that are going on in the world, I'm not seeking any power. I'm doing what Jude said. Jude says we're to contend for the faith. It is my job to make absolute certain that my folks know what's going on in the world. And here's a person who's, who's hanging out with Paula White and Benny Hinn, some of the greatest heretics of our time. And she's going to lecture the conservative Christians. Some of our other people that are writing supposed to be conservative blogs and Christianity Today has absolutely gone pagan. And they say that the problem is with conservative theology. That's what they're saying now. Uh, DC Talks, one of their original members, renounced his faith just recently, and he supports abortion rights. These are the things that are going on. That's why I gave you a warning last week and a challenge to ask you to join your pastor because I feel, as you're going to see as we go through the text, that the Lord has called me to be passionate about this, and I want you to know the things that are going on. I've been honest with you about what's going on with the Southern Baptist Convention. I, I'm not hiding in the corner about it. I'm telling you about it because many of them are apostates, and they're in our convention. And Jude said that was going to happen. So we're going to be calling names, and, we're, and I'm going to be telling you about these things that are happening in our world. Pizza Hut came out this week. They're making a drag queen little book for kindergartners. Kindergartners. And when I stood here and said, these people are coming after your children, I, had, I, got, I got flack from it, and I got pushback, and I got people that were angry about that because I said, they're coming after your children. Why would you be angry at your pastor who warned you that these people are coming after your children? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just boondoggled by that. 
There was a church recently on Mother's Day that sang, You're a good, good mother. We sang, You're a good, good father on, Father's, on, on, on Mother's Day. God's a good, good father. He's not a mother. Jude uses the word father in the text right here. A Catholic priest just came out and encouraged the celebration of Gay Pride Month. Just this morning when I turned on my computer, I got a message from Microsoft, of all people, that just popped up on my screen. It wasn't an email or anything. popped up on my screen that said, hey, come and join us and celebrate Gay Pride Week. You see, the problem is people, instead of cleaning out the closet, they're coming out of the closet, and not only are they doing this wickedness in open, they're proud of it. They're saying it's Gay Pride Week. We're, going to con- we're just going to shame God all the way around. You have to understand where we are. Tim Keller, conservative Christians are angry because they're not saved. That's called scoffing. Jude talks about scoffing. And uh, a Baptist church this week held a ribbon-cutting ceremony for LGBTQ Center to be opened inside their church. So when pastor comes to you and I bring some of these things to you, the reason I'm doing this is because of what you're going to hear this morning, that Jude calls us to do what God has called us. And then and, and the, the introduction to the book is where we're going to follow. Uh, I'm sure Mike's got some slides up here behind us, and you can just follow right along with me. We're going to do the introduction to the book and try to move our way into this. And I did the introduction to the series last week, and, and that was just a little sample. I bet you I have a, another hundred of those There are examples of things that are going on in our world that people don't even know about. But I'm telling you, everything is is about being inclusive, about being woke, and and right here in the text that you're going to see, Jude says, the reason that the people are apostate, the reason that the people that we have to contend for the faith is because they're using the grace of God as a license for immorality. They're saying that God will forgive you, and so if you're a Christian, don't worry about it. You just go on and sin, God will forgive you. I'm telling you, that's right out of the playbook of June 2022. Am I right? And it's sick, but Jude tells us, here's what you do. You say, Pastor, I feel helpless. Guess what? I do too. But here's what Jude said. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. That's our job. And man, we stood here. And in spite of all of the demons of hell, we sang glory and power and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And we're going to keep on doing it. And I'm in his corner. I feel like the old guy guy was blind and half crippled walking to church. And he'd go by this old man's house and he said, Hey, Bob, you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. What you going to church down there for? And he turned around and looked at the man and said, I want everybody to know whose side I'm on. And that's why we're here, so that people will know whose side we're on. Jude 1 and 2. Jude, a servant. Let's look at uh, who Jude is. Jude describes himself. He describes his recipients. And so he says, I'm Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy Peace and love be yours in abundance. That's a power-packed verse right there. Of all the scripture, I think some of Paul the Apostles, or his letters are power-packed, but I want to tell you, this may be one of the most power-packed short verses 
epistle letter in all of the New Testament. There's so much goodness right here, and I hope to unpack it for you. We're told that the man who wrote the book, his name is Jude. How unique that the man's name is Jude that comes from the name Judas to tell us about who, literally who the apostates are in our world. The greatest apostate that there ever was was Judas who walked with the Son of God. And if it ever occurred to you to wonder that these people are possibly in churches and doing, what, uh, doing the wicked things in the places that they're in, uh, in our seminaries, in our churches, in our denominations. They're everywhere. You wonder, how could they get there? Jude told us they were going to get there. They were going to sneak in there. And so here is Jude who's reminding us of, of apostasy. And he says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And so he's the brother of James. James, it, it, he identifies himself. It's quite unique that uh, Jude and James both don't identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ as being kin to him according to the flesh. Why? Because they were so humble and here, but we know who they are by way of association. Here's, here's James who was ended up being one of the great leaders in the first big New Testament church there in Jerusalem. He was a, a powerful man. We'll read those scriptures in just a second. Jude uh, says uh, uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus. In other words, let me just put this clearly. Of all the stuff I read, nobody will just come out and say it. I'm like, look, He's Mary and Joseph had other children. You say, Brother Jerry, I don't, I, you know, I was taught differently that. Some denominations will tell you that Mary ascended into heaven. No, she did not. She died and was put in the grave. And, and because she was a believer in her son as Savior, her spirit went to, went to heaven. Listen to this, Matthew 13 and verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not, is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Hoseas and Simon, and Judas, that means that Jesus had brothers according to the flesh. Mary and Joseph had other children. Mark 6, 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And, and they were offended at him. So here's what Dr. Gray Allison says about this. He says, one of the, the brothers was named James. One was named Jude or Judas. And when Paul, writing to the Galatians, spoke of James, he called him James, the brother of our Lord. Now, that's the Word of God. It doesn't matter whose catechism you're reading. Just trust the Bible. Amen? That's what we do. We trust the Word of God. So that's who this man is. He's describing himself. In Galatians 1.19 and Acts 12.7, he speaks of this. I believe, Dr. Gray says, that James, the brother of our Lord, wrote the epistle of James, and that Jude, the brother of our Lord, wrote the epistle of Jude. In Galatians 1.19, it says, But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Paul was closely associated with James, the Lord's brother, who was the pastor of First Baptist Jerusalem. Y'all all right? And he goes on. I have other scriptures in your note to back that up, but I want to move on. Now, neither one of these men's, men were so prideful that they associated themselves and threw names out. You'll, you'll be hard-pressed to, to find someone today who won't throw a name out. And so when I meet other preachers and they tell me things, they start dropping names. And the only name I want to hear is the name of Jesus. And, and I told you that for years and years and years, but now more than ever, those names you've been dropping are, are falling by the wayside and they're becoming apostates. So be very careful about who uh, you back up. Make sure absolutely that the person's walking with Jesus and he's preaching the gospel and he knows the entire faith of the Lord. Dr. Gray rightly notes that some of these words could have been updated. 
not being critical of any, uh, of any uh, version or anything of that. Name. The words just need to be updated. But, but James here, he, he writes to those who uh, are beloved. The translation sanctified in your King James Version should actually be beloved. It's the Greek word agapao. It, it's the word from agape. And so he's clearly saying uh, they translate it in verse number 3 as beloved or beloved or dear friends, the NIV says. So it's the, it's the brethren. And so who is, who is Jude talking about? Jude is saying he's writing to the people that know the Lord. And so all of this was written to those people that were there, and, and they may have been having trouble in their church or whatever it may be. I don't think so. I think this was a good church, and we see where it was written to and why. Jude was saying to them, i got to tell you some things about what's going on in the world, and there's some people out there, and they're slipping into the churches, and I want you to know who these people are. And so then Jude describes his recipients. He calls them the beloved. And, and then he says, you are preserved. Now, this is a very special word. Now, you look at it right there in the text. He says, I'm writing to those of you who are kept, those of you who are, are preserved. And this speaks of, of custody. And can I, can I just tell you, when Jesus Christ, a while ago we sang a song and we heard the song, uh, Jeremy said, I'm not holding on to you. Mark Hall made a beautiful line in there. It was a great privilege. And I just thank God for the music that the man's writing. It's so different. It's so unique. And it's always biblical. And he, he goes through, and what a beautiful theological thought. The first time I heard this thought was from my pastor, Dr. Lawrence Bradley, who preached a message one Sunday evening at Curtis Baptist Church, and it says, I belong to him, and he belongs to me. But the, the point was clear. He made it that it's not as important that you uh, belong to him, uh, that he belongs to you, but that you belong to him. He holds you. You don't hold him. He's got you. Because I'm so sinful, I would slip away from him. I would be apostate. I love this word. It means custody. And I remember the days and the nights. The, the invitation hymn we're going to sing uh, at the invitation today was the invitation that was played when I got up from uh, the back row at Curtis Baptist Church and went down and looked my pastor in the face and said, I believe God's calling me in the ministry. I believe the Lord has, has touched my heart, and this is what he wants me to do with my life. And I am unsettled, and I am, I, I've got so much going on in my heart. I can't understand it all, Dr. Bradley, but please would you help me with this. I believe the Lord's calling me. And, and I want to tell you, the Lord then, when I was saved and when he called me to the ministry, he put me in custody. Now, some of y'all been in custody before, but it was different. But I'm so glad that Jesus put you in custody. Let me tell you, one of the, this word that I looked up, James, he describes his recipients. He said, I got something to remind you of. And he says, this is the word tereo. He says, when God puts you in custody, it speaks of a man's purity of his daughter. Now, I want to tell you, there is absolutely nothing in this world that's more important to a man. Most men, good men, it's his daughter's purity. And if you violate the daughter's purity, how many of y'all, the first date when you turned your daughter loose out and this uh, cute little handsome, smooth joker comes to the door to pick up your daughter, and dad, you had a little talk with him, didn't you? And here's what you were doing. You were putting, you're putting him in custody, and you were telling him, I have kept this girl, and I've raised her up, and she's important to me, and, it, and if you don't treat her like I treat her, I'm going to kill you. Y'all all right? They may never find your body. And that's what you tell. And then you tell her. All the rules, all the regulations, 
It's a, the, the, the proof of this word, James, uh, Jude is telling these recipients, the people getting the letter, he's saying, the Lord God, this is a military term, he put a fortress around you, and he's kept you, and he's not going to let you go, and he's keeping you for the day uh, of your reward. <laughs> it's the same word that's used a little bit later on where he talks about uh, angels that did not keep their first estate. So you see, he, he even compares it again. Jude illustrates it. He's going to talk about these angels that sinned against the Lord, and they had a, an estate, they had a, a place, they had a position, and they didn't keep it. They didn't protect it. They didn't put a hedge of protection about it. They didn't chain themselves down, and they left their first estate, and they got out from under God's protection, and the Lord put them into eternal gloom and darkness. We're going to deal with that when we get there. But I want to tell you, that your salvation, people say, oh, well, that old Baptist doctrine, once saved, always saved. Well, I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he saved me, he put me in custody. And he won't let me go. And, I, and bless the Lord, forgive me, Lord Jesus. How many times have I let you go, but you've never let me go? And he always takes me back. And then he says, y'all are called. I love this word, kletos. You were invited. You were appointed. It, specifically, you were appointed as a saint. He says, you were, you were called to this. And boy, I want to tell you something. I, I can go back in my life now. I didn't know what was going on then. But when the Lord called me, I, after I got saved and I saved for about six months or a year, I started going back in my life of all the things that happened just prior to me being saved. And you know, guess what? Can y'all believe this? God was working in my life when I was lost. Do you believe that? I mean to tell you, I, I, want, I want to tell you God was working in my life. He was doing some things, and I thought, man, why is all this happening to me? Oh, praise the Lord, one day. It was so beautiful when I realized, actually, what really did happen. The Lord was working on me. Can y'all believe this? A lost man, just a lost young 20-year-old, I mean, I'm not looking for God anywhere, nowhere. I started getting the Bible down and started reading it. Guess where I ended up reading? Matthew 24. Scared the daylights out of me. And I began to think, and, and I don't believe in dreams and visions and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to tell you, I do know for a fact that when I went to sleep at night, I started having dreams about Jesus coming and, and the days of Noah and all of that. And I read all about that, and I thought, I'm lost. I, <clears throat> I may get left behind. I began to ask my mother, Mom, what happened when I was seven years old? Did I really give my heart to Jesus? And you know what? To this day, I can't answer that question. I don't know what happened. But I know this, that I'm saved right now. And, and I know that God's in my life. And I know that I was baptized. And I've been following Him ever since. You see, it don't really matter what, you, what happened then. What, what, what's important is what's going on right now. Because if it happened then, it'll be going on right now. Y'all all right? But I, I, had to be, I had to be sure, and I gave my life to Christ all over again. And, the, I mean, this just was amazing. I had to get all of that in, in order. But now look at this. And, by the way, while I'm here, notice that he says that you're loved by God the Father. You call God the Father. It's not God the Mother. It's not Mother Nature. It's Father God. Do you know how many preachers are scared to say what I just said right here this morning? He is God the Father. He is my Father. The Bible says, if your mother and your father forsake you, the Lord, the Father, will take you up. 
and he's my father. And guess what? If he was the mother, I would have said the same thing about the mother. If he told me he was the mother, I don't have a problem with the mother. Thank God for our mothers. Amen. None of us would be here without mother, right? But he's God the Father because that's what he said. Now watch this. Here's his prayer. Now here's the prayer that we're going to look at. He says, and I've got to show you this because this is really good. He says, grace, peace, and love in abundance to you. Now, to those of you who are what? To those of you who are kept. Now, I want to tell you something very special about that word kept. It's what we call in the grammar. I, I, I really did some research and I looked it through. And, and I like this. And, and those of you who love English and you love language, this is, this is a phrase. It's almost a, uh, it's almost a direct object phrase. It's a, what we call in the Greek an instrumental dative. It's the direct object. And here's what that means. You say, well, Brother Jerry, that doesn't mean anything to me. It will in just a second because I'm going to show you some cool stuff right here. I, I want you to see that the Lord says he's going to give us mercy. He's going to give us peace. He's going to give us love in abundance. But notice how the text reads. Notice what he says here. And to, and to show you what I'm talking about, he, he says, those of you who are loved... By God the Father, those of you are called, those of you are loved, and those of you are kept by Jesus Christ. How are you, how are you called? This is good. How are you loved? And how will you be kept? And the phrase, the direct object phrase of that is, you're going to be kept by mercy and peace and love in abundance. Now that's the beauty of the grammar. He, Jude says this is how. It's an instrumental. It's how God's going to go about doing that. And it just blesses my heart. So how is God how did he call you? He called you by his mercy. He called you by his grace. He called you by his peace and he called you by his love. How's God going to keep you? He says listen, no, the word mercy. Mercy is, is the coolest word. It's a, it's a little word in the New Testament, uh, elias, and it means active compassion. So now when you walk down the street and you see somebody in need and you walk on by them and you say, that poor fellow, and you just keep going. Now that's sympathy. But empathy says, this guy fell down. And I'm going to stop and help him get up and get him back up. That's called empathy. That's, that's what mercy is. It's love in action. Y'all all right? Now listen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That means nothing if God didn't actively die for you. God could have loved you and let you die in your sin. But God so loved the world that he gave. Y'all all right? That's God's love. Dr. Gray taught me this. He said, Jerry, mercy is God's love in action. And some of you this morning just need God's love in action. Y'all all right? And then he says, I, I, and he says the Lord's going to give you peace. This is a little Greek word, arene. It's a beautiful word. It means quietness. It means peace. It means peace with God and the peace of God. Uh, Brother Doug and Carol took me on a little walk yesterday. One of the most soothing walks down by his creek on his property. Some of the biggest white oaks I've ever seen. And it was totally shaded. The wind was blowing. 
and it was just peaceful. It was quiet. You know, that's what peace is. It's quiet. The other day, uh, my, my sister was here. She, she took my mom to get her toes and her nails, and nails and toes done. And so they were gone for two hours. And when they left, the television was on. It was loud. Guess what I did? I cut that television off. I cut everything in the house off. And it was so quiet in that house. And I sat there and took my phone out and pulled up my Bible app and began to read the Scriptures. And I thought to myself, this is so peaceful. It's so wonderful. But this little Greek word means two things. It means peace with God and the peace of God. Now, when I, y'all, and see, any country boy knows this. Down in the south, we do this. And it's an easy way to get a conversation started. Somebody's dying, they're in the hospital, they're sick, and the family is worried that they don't know the Lord. And they send me by to go talk to this old country boy. And I found this is a good way to talk to a country boy because I are one. Y'all all right? And this is the way we put it. And I go in and I say, Bubba, you know Pastor Jerry loves you. But i got to ask you a question. Have you made your peace with God? Boom. That's a big deal. He knows what that means because he's heard the preachers. He's heard his family. He won't come to church, won't give his life to Jesus. His wife's been coming all these years or vice versa. And then pastor shows up and I say, you, 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 had your, you, you got your peace with God, brother. He knows what that means. And if he, hadn't, if he hadn't made his peace with God, he'll never get the peace of God. Now, some of y'all made your peace with God a long time ago. And then when you're troubled, some of you troubled right here this morning. You got problems you brought in here. And the whole time we've been singing and pastors preaching and you've been in Sunday school, you've been praying about that. And you're saying, Lord, I, I just got to turn this over. Lord, would you turn this around for me? You know, those songs, it came, it came out, it was so popular, Don Moore's song, God will make a way. Some of you are praying for God to make a way. And when God makes a way, and even if he doesn't, even if he, the girls sang this not too long ago, a couple, couple weeks ago, our young girls sang this, and even if he doesn't, I'm going to be all right with it. Y'all know what that is? That's the peace of God. And that's what this means. And here's what Jude, Jude looked at these folks and he said, I want, I'm going to pray. And, and I love this. This is beautiful. And then he says, I want you to have mercy. I want you to have peace. But also I want you to have love. I want you to have, this is the unconditional love. This is dear love. This is charity and affection. And so this is not... Well, you know, I don't like that joker, but I'm going to love him in Jesus. I'm going to love you. I don't like you, but I'm going to love you in Jesus. That's not agape. Y'all all right? Because if that was the case, God wouldn't like you. He wouldn't like me. But he said, I made this boy, and I saved him, and I'm going to make something out of him. And I love you right where you are, and I love you for where you're going to be. And no, matter, and no matter what you do, I'm going to keep loving you until you get it right. I'm going to love you 70 times 7. And that's the unconditional love of God. It's not void of truth, but it's I'm going to keep loving you. Can I be honest with you? With some people, I have a hard time with that. And so do you, if we'll be honest with ourselves. But we've got to get past, well, I'm going to love you anyway because i got to love you in Jesus. I'm going to love you. I used to say this, and the Lord, I'm telling you, the older I get, the Lord picks out these little pieces of, of sinful minutia in my life. 
I used to say, well, I, you know, I love that boy in Jesus, but I, I, mean, I ain't going to go eat supper with him or nothing. You know what? If the Lord sends me to eat supper with him, I have to go eat supper with him. And I got to find out why I don't, why we have this personality conflict, why this thing is bad. Y'all all right? I'm going to tell you, that's Christian maturity. That's hard. Y'all all right? And then he says this, I want you to have it to the full. I want you to have it in abundance. Jesus says, I'm Jude. I'm the Lord's brother. I'm James's brother. And I've been called. I've been loved. And, and how is God going to call me, love me, and keep me? He's going to keep me in abundance. The word means, uh, it, it's the same word that's in John 10.10. 10. It's on my business card. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it to abundance. So now, now, now I got to show you this. Y'all watch this. This is real good. And we're going we're gonna to look at this, and, and uh, I want you to see this. So here is this direct object phrase. It's an instrumental phrase. He says, this is how I'm going to keep you. And can I tell you that the Lord has kept me, and I've been right there because God has always given me mercy. He's always given me peace. He has always loved me, and he's always done it in abundance, above and beyond all that I ask or think. He, he's been so good. I don't deserve any of it. But now look at the little phrase, be yours. Now that's different. Now, I'm just going to give you an example. Many of the epistles do this. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Y'all slip over two or three books. If you get to Thessalonians, you went too far. Go to 1 Timothy. And I, I want to show you something, what, what Jude actually does right here and how good this is. I mean, this is good. And most of the epistles are like this. If you notice, one of the words that he leaves out is grace. You know why? Because he's writing to Christians. They already had grace. Look, Paul, 1 Timothy 1, 1, let's start right there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, from God the Father. Y'all know what that is? That's a prayer. Jude has not given us a prayer. Now go back to look at what Jude said. Jude said, and, and Colossians and Ephesians are just like 1 Timothy. So we don't have time to do all that, but you got the idea. Now look, Jude says to those who've been called, loved, kept, and God's going to keep you through mercy, peace, and love, and it's yours. He's not praying. He, Jude has got so much faith. He says, I'm not going to pray for this to be yours. He said, this is yours. Because it's an instrumental. This is how he's going to keep you. He says it's already done. If you belong to Jesus Christ and you say, I don't have peace, I'm going to say, that's your fault. Because he said, it's yours. You already got it. God doesn't love me. Not true. He already has you. God loves you. God cares for you. Everything about it, the Lord takes care of it. Amen? And so... He, he says, and I'm going to love you in complete abundance. It's going to be more than you could ask or think. And so with that, Jude says, here's the key verse to the entire book. Dear friends, 
although I was very eager to write to you about the, the salvation that we share, he said, I felt. I can't wait to talk to you about what he means. I felt that I had to. He operated off some, some compulsion. His heart was constrained. He had to. There was no doubt about it. He says, I wrote to you with all the passion that I could to ask you, since you've been kept by the peace and the love, and you've been called and you've been sanctified by God, and God's going to do that, he's going to do that, I'm asking you to contend for the faith. And so that's why I preached the message, the challenge, last Sunday morning. Because I wanted you to be challenged. I wanted you to feel the passion. I wanted you to feel the, the, the heart that I have, the unction that the Lord has said, I, I want, he said, man, I wanted to just preach a message and write something to you. I wanted to tell you something about the, the redemption and the grace and the mercy and the love of God. But he says, I couldn't do that because the Holy Spirit led me in a different direction. And thank God that there's still some preachers in the pulpit that will come and tell the truth. And they'll do it out of auction. The key terms in this book are apostasy, false teaching, scoffers. People are making fun of us. They're making fun of God. When they sang, you're a good, good mother from the pulpit, let me tell you something. When a church that's supposed to be the lighthouse of grace and mercy and peace does a ribbon cutting for the LGBTQ, I'm telling you something else, that is scoffing, that is pointing your finger in your, your hand in the face of God and saying, you're not who you say you are, and we don't care. The popular term today. You, you think I'm lying, but I'll show you the headlines. Christian atheist. <laughs> That's an oxymoron if I ever heard it. They're scoffers. The key words are contenders, condemnation. I'm not condemning anybody. Not my job to condemn you. My job to warn you and tell you the truth. And Dr. Easley's one-sentence summary, I like the way he put this. So I just I put this in here because I like the way he said this. Christians must defend the faith against false teachers. Uh, by the way, it is your responsibility to do that. Whether you like it or not or get mad at me, it is your job to contend for the faith. And at the same time, they must build up their own faith in Christ. And so that's what we're doing. You, you see, and I've said this before too, and I, 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 I'm tossed up about it, but I say, well, well, the world got in the shape that it's in because of us, the church. We didn't do our job. Well, I want to tell you, we have been doing our job. But you also have to understand the sovereignty of God, that the cup of His wrath is filling up. And, and He's in control of bringing this to an end. And what we do while we're here in the midst of the wickedness is share Jesus as much as we can, take as many people as, with us as we can, and for me to build you up in your most holy faith from the book so that you can withstand this persecution. Because the remnant is in the middle of all this. Jude exposes the false teachers of his day, commands that Christians condemn false teaching. The false teachers were training people, and here's what the problem, right, right out of his words, of his mouth, that God's grace they were using as an excuse to continue in sin. And I want to tell you that's not biblical. Are people that are sinning saved? Yes, many of them are. Many of them are apostates. But many of them are saved people. People have said to me, but Jerry, I know what happened to Ravi Zacharias. It's a shame that he was an apostate. Can I tell you he was not? Ravi Zacharias was a saved man. 
I've been following Rocky, Robbie Zacharias for years, and I still have his tapes. And listen to him. I'm telling you, he was an anointed man of God, and he failed morally. That's what happened. He never went apostate and turned against God and said, well, you know, this is not the way, this is not the truth, this is not the life. That's not what happened. He failed morally. And I want to tell you, when, you, when that happens, you lose your influence in the ministry. You're done. But what he said and what he taught from the Scriptures was true. I saw it with my own, with my own eyes. I watched him. Many of the people that I know today that are sinning morally, they have taken the grace of God and turned it into a license for immorality. They said, well, you know, I'm saved, so I can get forgiveness for this. I'm just going to go on and do it. That's becoming very popular today. See, well, I can adopt this lifestyle because I'm saved, and I can just you know, ask God to forgive me, and I'm going to heaven. You see, listen, once you're saved, if we believe what I just said, once you're saved, you're saved. But, but I'm telling you, you need to walk the line. You need to be with Christ because he's coming. And you have to separate yourself from those things. If, if that's the case, then we're all doomed. But let me tell you. So we're in the A.D. 60s. This is some 30 years past the time that Jesus walked the earth. And so one of the, the special issues, and we're going to finish right here, but this is what makes Jude one of the things that makes it so interesting. And you need to go home and just do this. It's just one chapter, 2 Peter chapter 2. And if you read 2 Peter chapter 2, you'll see that a lot of what's in 2 Peter 2 is also in Jude. So obviously these two men copied from one another or they were best friends. And liberals have a fit with that, but it ain't any big deal. Y'all all right? So if Charlie teaches me something and I teach Charlie something and then we're both writing books and we put that information in a book, what's wrong with that? We're sharing the information. Amen? It's all right. It's the gospel truth, not my truth and wasn't Charlie's truth. It's the gospel truth. Amen? So let me just share these things with you and then we're going to wrap it up. The sinning angels in 2 Peter 2.4 is the same as Jude verse 6. The divine destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, 2 Peter 2.6, is the same as Jude 7. And if you want these, these notes, they're online. <laughs> False teachers who slander heavenly beings, 2 Peter 2.10, is in Jude 8. We're going to talk about Balaam as a false prophet, and that's in 2 Peter 2.15 and Jude 11. And then the false teachers that are destined for blackest darkness, 2 Peter 2.17 and Jude 13. And so those things are very much alike. But let me tell you, you say, Brother Jerry, why, why would you preach this so, I mean, this is such a hard word. No, it's not a hard word. This is the most encouraging word I could, I could give to you. Listen, a, a, a tough word, a, the truth, the truth can be a great word of encouragement. As a matter of fact, it's the best words of encouragement. And so one, one uh, alternate lifestyle female pastor uh, said that Jesus, talking to the Syrophoenician woman, called her the B word. Now if you go back over, and, because he called her a dog. No, that's not what he called her. He told her, about one of the greatest prophecies in the scripture that the Gentiles would come in and she's you know the, the dogs get the crumbs from the table does that offend you doesn't offend me I'm one of the dogs y'all all right I got me some crumbs and when I got the crumbs I got the cake too 
Jesus, listen, Jesus took the woman at the well, and he didn't ignore the obvious. He said, no, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Truth. And then he loved her. She said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You see, the, the liberal folks out there today, the, the infidels will tell you, you can't talk to people like that. you got to tell them the truth. I know what's there. But Jesus also loved her. He said, listen, I, I, I don't know how this conversation went, but I'm, I'm sure she said, he said, give me a drink. She said, you came here to get something to drink. You don't have a bucket to draw with? Well, you're not a very smart Jewish man. He said, let me tell you something. You can fill that bucket up every day, all day long, and you'll never quench your thirst. The water I've got will quench your thirst spiritually, and a river <laughs> of living water will well up in you. Can I tell you all something this morning? I got a river in my heart. <laughs> I have a river in my heart. And I'm not being mean when I call out the sin. Can I be honest with y'all? I get convicted of my own preaching. Sometimes I'm preaching, and the Holy Spirit will say, preach it, boy. You know you can't live it, but preach it. And then the Holy Spirit will say, get right, so you don't have to be embarrassed. No, but you don't know what's going on in my heart, but I'm feeling like a dog because I know, Lord, I've been disobedient right here on the spot. And he's saying, Live it, Jerry. Live it, live it, live it. And then here's what happens. Then I begin to live that truth. And guess what? The river starts flowing. That's not because God doesn't like me. It's because he loves me. And, and, and how is he going to keep you? Through peace and love and mercy his love in action. Can I ask you today, if you're watching by way of the internet, I want to ask you, have you given Jesus Christ your heart? I said, Brother Jerry, you don't know my life. Don't care about your life. Not here to condemn. Jesus himself said, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to save. The condemnation is coming if you don't give your life to Christ. But time is running out. Amen? And here's how you do that. You say, well, how do I get saved, Brother Jerry? Lord, I'm a sinful person. I, am, I have lost my way. I've never known you. I've been in church. I read my Bible, whatever. But, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I come to you for cleansing and forgiveness. I want to be a child of God. Would you let me be born again? Lord, make me your child. Forgive me, God. It's that simple. If you meant a prayer like that, he would save you, and then guess what? He would keep you. He would never let you go. And you'll wander. Your spiritual life will go up and it'll go down, and you'll be on this journey with the rest of us. We're not perfect as Christians, and we do love other people, other people that have sinful lives. We love them, but we're going to tell the truth. If you die without Jesus Christ, you spend eternity separated from God. Let's stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the carpenter's son, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, we appeal to you to save us, to use us, to bring glory to your name today. 
Lord, I pray that if there's one person in this room that has not given their life to Christ, that they would take that as a consideration right now. And if they'd pray that little sinner's prayer, that little simple sinner's prayer that we've talked about, just a prayer of repentance and forgiveness, uh, it's a prayer of surrender. Lord, I surrender my life to you. That they would just do that right now. And Lord, as we sing, Lord, I thank you that probably some 35, 36, maybe 37 years ago, in the back of Curtis Baptist Church with my head bowed, my heart unsettled, didn't know what you were doing. And I made a commitment that night that wherever you would lead me, I would follow. And I still stand behind that. And I try my very best today to honor you in what I say and do. And I publicly thank you for the calling on my life. And I'm grateful for the forgiveness of sin that allows us to approach the throne of grace right now. Lord, don't let folks sing this song unless they mean it. The altar's open. Maybe uh, this, this morning the Lord has spoken to your heart. And you would like to come and join Woodlake Baptist Church. The, the doors of the church are open for those who have received Christ and been baptized. And Lord, there's so many that just need to come and pray. Folks are even coming now to pray. May we just need to cross the room and share and love on somebody that needs a word of encouragement. Lord, this is your time. Let your spirit move. It's in Jesus' name that I commit this invitation to you. Amen. Will you come this morning? Would you come? Pastor's here for you.